This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, we've got a a very fascinating show lined up today. We're uh, going to be talking a lot about Alzheimer's research, and we'll have friends from Duke and UNC on the show. I'm kind of curious. How did how did this you 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 plan these shows? How did this come into your mind? Yeah, my my grandmother actually passed of Alzheimer's um, about ten years ago now, and we're coming up on her the anniversary of her passing, and that was a, another caregiving journey for me that I talk about some on this show. But um, it's really important to me that we uh, engage in the research behind this disease. It's very tragic disease and affects so many in our population, and um, so I reached out to the Duke uh, Center, and I'm excited to talk with them. And and it's great that we have two institutions, huge research institutions, and it's crazy to have them on the same show. And I'm really excited to dig in. Yeah, we're very, very lucky to be in this area and to have uh, such incredible talent and excellent research as well. And first up, we are very pleased to welcome to the show Dr. Heather Whitson, Professor of Medicine and Ophthalmology and Director for the Duke Center for the Study of Aging and Human Development. Dr. Whitson, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so let's first maybe start with uh, introductions. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You hold uh, quite a few different titles at Duke. Talk to us briefly about your role. Sure. Well, I'm a geriatrician and internal medicine doctor by training, and my own research focuses on ways to maintain brain health and resilience as we age. And I get to serve as the director of the Duke Center for the Study of Aging and Human Development, which we call the Aging Center for short. Uh, And I also co-lead the Duke UNC Chapel Hill Alzheimer's Disease Research Collaborative. Wow, that's a mouthful. (laughs) So talk to us a little bit about the Duke Aging Center. What is it and how did it get started? Sure. Well, it was founded in 1955, so we turned 65 this year, yeah. um, so are <laughs> truly an, an aging center. Uh, and it was one of the first centers uh, based in a school of medicine in this country that was focused on the aging process from a very interdisciplinary perspective. So our center brings together biomedical scientists as well as social scientists mm. to sort of consider the many factors that contribute to the changes that we see in health as we age. Uh, And of course, the aging process begins at birth or even in utero. So we're very interested in these health-related changes across the whole lifespan and how those culminate in some of the social and medical complexities that people associate with late life. Wow. So how many researchers are currently in the center and what are some key research topics that you guys are focused on right now? Sure. So we have um, over 130 um, affiliated research faculty, and that includes uh, all types of physician scientists, sociologists, demographers, data scientists, engineers, basic biologists. And what we really all have is a shared interest uh, in studying some aspect of the aging process. And in addition to that, we house a team of research staff, analysts, data managers, and then MD and PhD trainees and students who sort of represent tomorrow's leaders. So most of our research is federally funded, but we also benefit greatly from foundations and some state-supported programs and philanthropy. Mm -hmm. And two of our 
key focus areas are this concept of resilience or promoting the ability to bounce back from stressors and how that changes as we age and how we can support um, people to be more resilient. And then the other uh, is reducing health disparities that could be based on factors such as race, gender, socioeconomic status, uh, living in a rural uh, area. And what we know is that these disparities in health persist all the way to the end of life, and in fact, they often widen with age. So under those two big themes of resilience and health disparities, we facilitate hundreds of individual lines of research. That's wonderful. So I want to touch on this a little bit. COVID has brought to life so many staffing challenges. We're hearing it in the news with our hospitals and um, this shortage of healthcare providers. Is the center addressing any of these needs in the training or research that you're doing? Yeah, so thanks for asking that question. COVID has obviously been, uh, you know, a, a major curveball for all of us. Um, and I'm really proud of, of Aging Center investigators that have contributed substantially to the, the national effort around everything from vaccine development to the distribution policies, um, as well as uh, COVID-related care, um, particularly for people who are in long-term care facilities um, and the residents and staff there. And then on the local front, we've had teams that have led initiatives to sort of address pandemic-related issues that none of us in medical practice would have even imagined two years ago. So things like how does uh, masking impact the medical encounter and the patient-provider communication, particularly for patients who are hard of hearing um, and rely on lip-reading during those encounters. Um, and then getting creative about ways that we can better support uh, dementia patients or their care partners during times of social distancing and, and stay-at-home orders. And one thing that we have done really well, I think, is um, engage a lot of students and trainees, as you mentioned. You know, I think um, the need for well-trained providers and particularly those who uh, are familiar with the uh, issues of late life or aging-related conditions uh, has never been more apparent than during the COVID crisis. And so um, we have really enjoyed getting um, undergraduate students as well as medical students um, and postdoctoral students involved uh, in these kind of once-in-a-generation <laughs> uh, research uh, needs that are that are. Um, so pressing right now. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting point you bring up. So do you see a shift in providers and or of the younger generation becoming more interested in geriatric focused medicine? Well, I wish I could say a more emphatic yes to that. <laughs> um, I still think it's, um, you know, we still have a major workforce um, shortage um, across all, all um, geriatric care areas, so not just in physicians, but nurses, social workers, um, others who are, who are trained um, to, to take care of older patients. And, um, you know, I think that it, to me, it was always something that uh, it was my favorite part of, of medical school <laughs> was sort of <laughs> learning, taking care of older patients, not just because I, you know, enjoy being around older people, but I really thought that the medical issues were, were more interesting, more complicated, more challenging. Um, and for me, we're always very exciting. But, you know, you do have to remember that most people are making these career choices when they're in their 20s. And I think for a lot of people in their 20s, this seems like, <laughs> these seem like issues far, far in the future. And, and I, I think that may be one reason that, that not as many people choose this career. Mm -hmm. um, but it is um, both, I think, really um, scientifically um, interesting and, mm -hmm. and such a huge need and opportunity. You know, I think that even 50 to 75 years ago, 
human lifespan, human life expectancy was so much shorter that um, many of the things that we see now, people presenting with seven, eight, nine chronic conditions, mm-hmm. you know, that didn't happen 50 to 75 years ago. So it really is a, a, a new medical challenge of the 21st century. So I'm hoping um, that that more and more uh, young future providers and, and workforce will choose to go into the aging field. That's very helpful. Do you, uh, back to the research side of things, do you work with Veteran Affairs on any of your research and the initiatives you're working on? Sure. Many of our investigators, including myself, have dual appointments um, at Duke University and the Durham VA Medical Center. And of course, the research themes are highly relevant um, to both of those patient populations. Um, so that's been um, uh, you know, a great a great benefit of being in this area where we really have two um, fantastic care organizations and research organizations um, uh, located right across the street from each other. We are speaking with Dr. Heather Whitson, professor of medicine and ophthalmology and director for the Duke Center for the Study of Aging and Human Development. Dr. Whitson, we have a few more questions for you. Do you mind hanging on through the break with us? Sure. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Whitson right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. If you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online anytime to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and our guest on the line right now is Dr. Heather Whitson. She is a professor of medicine and ophthalmology as well as the director for the Duke Center for the Study of Aging and Human Development, and we're talking all about Alzheimer's today. And Mary, uh, Dr. Whitson was so kind enough to hang out with us a little bit longer, and uh, we've got a couple more questions for her before we graciously uh, uh, relieve her of her time with us today. (laughs) Absolutely. So Duke is one of the largest research universities in the nation. We're so lucky to have not one, but two nationally recognized blue research institutions in our community as well, and they're not but 15 minutes apart from each other, which is incredible. Uh, So entering the Duke University and the UNC um, Chapel Hill Alzheimer's disease Research Collaborative, and we'll talk talk a little bit more with UNC and hear their side of this later in the show. Um, but Dr. Whitson, can you give us a brief intro into this collaborative and what is the mission? Sure. So we are incredibly excited about the Duke UNC Alzheimer's <laughs> Disease Collaboration. Um, a group of aging and Alzheimer's disease specialists um, from both of these schools began meeting um, in 2019 before the pandemic. And, you know, we pretty quickly realized that we shared a vision for how we could improve care and research options uh, for people in North Carolina who were at risk for or had been diagnosed with dementia. 
Um, and it also became evident that these two schools were really complementary in terms of the expertise and the resources that each of them could could bring to bear on, on making this vision a reality. So we officially joined forces in early 2020 uh, mm-hmm. with strong support and backing from the leadership of, of both the institutions. Um, so, you know, this was Duke and Carolina forging this bold collaboration right in the middle of basketball season 2020. <laughs> and our, our tagline was, when it comes to fighting Alzheimer's disease, we're all on the same team. Love that. And, <laughs> and then, you know, of course, the pandemic hit. And in many ways, the world sort of changed around us. But in a, in a you know, if there's a silver lining, it was a surreal time. But, but we continued to meet virtually and, and plan. And in some ways, I think the pandemic sort of infor- afforded us like this unique opportunity um, to really articulate the path forward. Um, and our collaboration is, is guided by this desire to identify factors across the lifespan mm-hmm. that contribute to the development, the progression, and the experience of Alzheimer's disease. So that's our mission. And much of the existing research in the field of Alzheimer's has really focused on the genetic risk factors for Alzheimer's, which of course are determined at birth, and then the late stage changes in the brain, like amyloid accumulation, Mm -hmm. that are also really important disease markers. But there's a lot of time between when you're born with this genetic propensity um, and when you develop those very late stage uh, markers and the symptoms. So while those areas are really important, we also think that there are missed opportunities to understand sort of age-related changes or exposures that happen earlier in life, um, well before the amyloid is present or before the symptoms of the disease are obvious. So we're looking for new doors to open to, to um, identify new opportunities for prevention and treatment strategies, which is ultimately what, it, what we're all about. That's wonderful. You know, you mentioned earlier in the show stressors and health disparities, and COVID really brought out some of those issues. Did that shift your conversation in this collaborative and the things that you all are working on? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think we, we all, you know, as a, as a society, we were all living through a health stressor in real time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, um, and, and probably most of us can name at least one or two ways that it had an impact on our health, um, even if we didn't get COVID, just the experience of living through the pandemic, um, whether the anxiety or the social um, isolation or, or other factors, um, it impacts health, and, and we know that. And, and Alzheimer's disease is no exception. So we absolutely um, apply the things that we think about all the time around resilience and how people respond to stressors. Um, and, and for example, some of the stressors or exposures that people can be exposed to over the lifetime range from potentially uh, infectious exposures or things that activate your immune system um, to fight the infection, but could also have adverse consequences for other organs in your body, Mm -hmm. um, to stressors such as racism and and, uh, financial uh, stress and, and toxicity. So really trying to think about how those factors potentially open the door to a degenerative brain disease uh, for people and especially people that that are have have the right sort of genetic propensity mm-hmm. um, is is one of the things that we're really about and I think the the um, pandemic is a is a perfect example um, 
Definitely. So th- this sounds like an incredible opportunity. These two organizations, research organizations, and all of these um, researchers and top physicians coming together uh, to transform Alzheimer's research. I'm so excited about it. Uh, what are some of your hopes and your dreams for the collaborative? Yeah, so I feel like we really have a unique opportunity here to, to enable research that hasn't been possible before um, and, and also to connect people, um, certainly in our local catchment area of eastern North Carolina, to state-of-the-art care options if they're diagnosed with dementia as well as research opportunities to sort of contribute to the fight against the disease. And when I say that we'll enable new research that hasn't been possible. So what do I mean by that? So we're intentionally recruiting research participants who are younger and much more diverse than people who have traditionally enrolled in Alzheimer's disease research. So in North Carolina, we're acutely aware of the health disparities that are associated with this this disease. So black and Hispanic people are at higher risk of Alzheimer's disease compared to non-Hispanic whites. And then the experience of living with dementia is very different in rural settings or for people with limited socioeconomic resources. Mm -hmm. And yet, most of the prior research has really been skewed toward participants who are white, Mm -hmm. well-educated, live in urban or suburban areas of the country and are sort of affiliated with specialty care. So, you know, this is is the same population of, of patients who typically gain access to neurologists, geropsychiatrists, geriatricians, and and those trained specialists. And Duke and UNC are really working together here to try to engage more people in this fight against dementia and to build an evidence base that represents everyone um, so that, and at the same time, expand clinical care options around brain health Mm -hmm. and making them affordable and accessible and hopefully reaching people before they're at the later stages of dementia. Mm-hmm. So we're in, in the other part of our sort of hopes and dreams have to do with training the workforce. So we are also <laughs> really committed to training an outstanding and diverse workforce um, because, you know, today's students and postdoctoral students are the, are the people who will sustain our vision um, decades from now. So, you know, we, in addition to creating educational and funding opportunities that will be for people who attend Duke and UNC, we also really want to, to broaden the, those opportunities to people, students, um, across North Carolina. So we have partnerships with North Carolina Central University, which is a historically black uh, university in Durham, North Carolina, with UNC Pembroke, which was one of the first, it's, it's part of the UNC health system, but was one of the first um, Native American focused schools mm-hmm. and still has um, a high proportion of uh, Native American um, students, uh, and then Eastern Carolina University. And, you know, we want the scholars at these these North Carolina schools to also have the same access um, to funding and educational opportunities. Um, and we, we ultimately believe that, that that's how uh, we'll, we'll, we'll overcome a disease um, that affects um, uh, everyone in our population. Absolutely. And yet, up to this point, um, we, haven't, we haven't represented everyone in the research. Mm-hmm. Dr. Whitson, uh, this is such an admirable effort. Is What's the best way that uh, we in the community can help you guys out? Is it uh, maybe if we're in one of these sort of underrepresented categories, trying to get involved and uh, helping out with, uh, you know, trials and things like that? What, what's, what, what would help you out and help the collaborative out the most? 
Yeah, thank you so much for that question. So, so I, I um, participation in the research, uh, and there are so many different opportunities and ways to contribute there. Um, you know, so we have uh, certainly, um, and and again, because we're trying to recruit participants who are younger and more diverse, it, it um, you know, some people say, well, I don't have dementia yet. My grandmother does. Can I, are you interested in me for, for research studies? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, we, we are interested. Um, and, um, you know, we have everything from very intensive study protocols where people come in and come back and spend two or three days with us and they, you know, donate blood and they get brain images and um, get a lot of um, genetic testing and other things done, uh, retinal images and, and all sorts of things. If people don't have the time or the, the interest in doing that, we also have protocols that are much more lighter touch, mm -hmm. um, but that are still um, really valuable to us. So I think reaching out uh, to me or my colleague or visiting um, our website, um, the Duke UNC Alzheimer's Disease Research Collaborative. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Whitson. We really appreciate your time. Again, we're, we've been speaking with Dr. Heather Whitson, Professor of Medicine and Ophthalmology and Director for the Duke Center for the Study of Aging and Human Development. If you want to find more about them online, you can Google Duke Aging Center. That's probably the easiest way to find information about them online. Again, Dr. Whitson, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you covering this topic. A quick break and back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and we're continuing our discussion here on Alzheimer's, and we've been uh, uh, talking with our friends with the Duke UNC Alzheimer's Disease Research Collaborative, and uh, we're now going to look at the clinical side of things, and we've got Dr. Kim Johnson on the line joining us. Dr. Johnson is a geriatric psychiatrist at Duke, as well as the Division Chief of Memory Disorders in the Department of Neurology. Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to be here and talk about and promote Alzheimer's disease and, and cognitive issues. Definitely. Dr. Johnson, as an associate leader of the Clinical Corps, we've talked a little bit about the collaborative. Can you tell us about your role at the Duke UNC Alzheimer's Disease Research Collaborative? Sure. Um, as the division chief and one of the providers in the Memory Disorders Clinic, I see patients 
in the clinic who have issues with memory and cognition and also oversee the building of our group of research participants, which we have a fancy name for. It's called the Clinical Cohort Mm -hmm. um, in the Duke UNC Alzheimer's Disease Research Collaborative. And so as part of this work um, in the clinic, I inform patients who have cognitive issues about how they can participate in the clinical cohort. And then I also work closely with the other cores in the collaboration to recruit patients from the community into the study. So over the next five years, our goal is to enroll about 540 participants in the study. Wow. So, yeah, um, I I truly believe that participation in our research study is a gift to Mm -hmm. UNC and Duke and to the entire field of Alzheimer's disease research. And often when I'm talking to patients about the study, I tell them that volunteering to enroll in the study is the gift of knowledge and the mm-hmm. gift of their time. They're partnering with us to further understand the mechanism behind Alzheimer's disease and ultimately find a treatment, which is a, a sore need in this field. And they're also providing researchers at Duke and UNC with critical information about Alzheimer's disease. So as part of their participation in the study, participants mm-hmm. also are able to gain useful information about their own genetic and biologic risk. And I think uh, Dr. Whitson and Dr. Garden uh, both mentioned that we're hoping to build a cohort of diverse people mm-hmm. that represents the population affected. Definitely. You know, just in that alone, you've you've encouraged me to sign up. My grandmother passed of Alzheimer's and uh, just about 10 years ago. My mom has tested positive for the gene, so I'm very interested in this research, and I can't wait to sign up after the show. But, you know, we're all aging, and our listeners vary in age and, and the demographics. Are there age parameters um, to participate, or can anyone register? And are you just looking for those who are cognitively impaired? Actually, we're looking for many types of people to participate in the study and are mainly interested in people who have a family history of Alzheimer's disease or memory issues. However, we're also interested in people who have no family history. Um, We have two groups of participants that we'd like to look at. The first group is uh, people ages 45 to 80. And for anyone who has normal cognition, a diagnosis of mild cognitive decrease, or a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease or dementia. The second group is people ages 25 to 44. And we expect most people in this group to have normal cognition just Mm -hmm. because of their age. Uh, We want to include everybody in our study and have representation from all groups in society, as I mentioned before. Uh, And research shows that black and Hispanic people have higher rates of Alzheimer's disease than non-Hispanic whites and that females have higher rates of Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. disease than males. So we definitely want to understand why these things are uh, a problem. And we think it's important that we have all groups of people represented in our clinical cohort which will help us learn and understand how Alzheimer's disease affects people in different racial and ethnic groups, people of different genders, people of different socioeconomic status, Mm -hmm. and people who live in urban, suburban, and rural areas. Uh, We know Alzheimer's disease touches everyone. Mm -hmm. How does someone go about registering to participate? So our study is listed 
in the Duke Clinical Trials Directory website as the ADRC clinical cohort. So anybody can access the website by Googling Duke Clinical Trials Directory. On the main page, keywords to search for are memory, aging, and Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. And also our studies listed on Trial Match, which is, which is a directory offered by the Alzheimer's Association. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're always happy to take phone calls about the study and give information about what's involved. Our number is listed on those, on those sites. Great. I do want to add that participation in the study may also be beneficial to our participants since they're, and I think I mentioned this before, um, participants are able to learn about their own genetic risk and if they have biomarkers for memory loss. Mm -hmm. And we do know that knowledge of increased genetic risk has important value, especially for younger people and those whose parents have Alzheimer's disease. And if someone knows they have this fixed increased genetic risk, they might choose to do things differently to affect lifestyle risk factors, which can be modified over the course of their life and delay onset mm -hmm. of cognitive decline. And also, when people have memory loss, knowing their biomarker status can give information about a possible cause. So we encourage anybody who is interested in the study to please look up uh, the study on the Duke Clinical Trials Directory website or Trial Match and, and definitely be in touch with us. That's great. So the FDA approved a new drug to treat the progression of Alzheimer's disease. Is there a cure on the horizon that you feel for Alzheimer's and other dementias? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, uh, the, the drug's been so much in the news recently. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, I would say that a cure for Alzheimer's disease it seems uh, is not on the immediate horizon. Mm -hmm. Aducanumab is the name of the drug that was approved under an accelerated approval by the FDA and Biogen, which is the company that makes the drug, and um, they are uh, manufacturing the drug in the research triangle. But the accelerated approval by the FDA means the drug was approved for a disease that has no cure, and also the drug was approved with unknown clinical benefit and more mm -hmm. research needs to be completed. So there's, there's uncertainty uh, mm -hmm. around this. Um, it was approved only for people with mild cognitive issues, and in clinical trials, it did not bring back any memory or functioning, so it is not a cure. Um, we definitely believe more research needs to be done, and both UNC and Duke have applied to be part of Biogen's ongoing research monitoring and clinical trials. And, That's great. And, you know, I think your question brings up a really interesting point. Um, and as I mentioned, it seems the cure is not on the immediate horizon. And that's why we believe that the research we're doing by building a group of participants to be part of the clinical core is so important. Mm -hmm. So this group of people will be able to be followed every year as they age. Their cognition, including aspects of memory, language, ability to multitask and make decisions, as well as other measures of aging will be studied. And as this important um, as uh, this information is gathered, this mm -hmm. is important to us in the clinical core, but also we'll be able to use by many Alzheimer's disease research at Duke and UNC. That's so great. ultimately, I think we're going to be using all this information to figure out what causes Alzheimer's disease and memory loss, which will ultimately help us find a cure. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> I yeah, would, I know. <laughs> I would be remiss not to mention the Duke Dementia Family Support Program, which is a resource in this collaborative and a close friend of ours at Transitions Life Care. Can you tell our listeners more about this research, uh, resource? 
Yeah, we work very closely with the Duke Dementia Family Support Program in the Memory Clinic and with the Alzheimer's Disease Research Collaborative. Um, it's definitely a shining light in the lives of our patients and families who have a decrease in cognition. And the program was founded, um, currently led and run by four social workers. They provide many services, including a group called Memory Makers, which is an educational support group, which educates people with early memory issues on various causes and how uh, and it develops a means to help best support patients and families cope with things that are going on their, in their lives related to cognitive loss. Uh, they also have other support groups, including a Daughters for Aging Relatives support group, an early onset Alzheimer's disease support group, a dementia caregiver support group, and a long-term care support group. They sponsor different social and entertainment events, such as walking at the mall and a music group, mm -hmm. and they're always available for calls by the public on any issue related to memory loss and dementia. And, and I will add that their services are free for all residents of North Carolina. So the way to access uh, their information on the internet is to Google Duke Family Support um, Program or the website is dukefamilysupport.org. So I think it's pretty easy to remember. Okay. Perfect. Dukefamilysupport.org. Dukefamilysupport.org. She is Dr. Kim Johnson, geriatric psychiatrist at Duke and Division Chief of Memory Disorders in the Department of Neurology. Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you for having a show on this issue. Well, it's a, it's a fascinating topic, and the research that uh, the folks that you guys at Duke and UNC are doing it's it's incredible, and we're we're so happy to share uh, this effort with our listeners. So, again, Dr. Johnson, thank you for your time. We are taking a short break, and we'll continue our look at the Duke UNC Alzheimer's Disease Research Collaborative right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Learn more about Transitions Life Care online at Transitions Life Care. Org, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and we're continuing, uh, or actually finishing up our look at the Duke UNC Alzheimer's Disease Research Collaborative. And we've talked to two wonderful guests at Duke, and now we're going to get the UNC perspective of things with Dr. Gwen Garden. She is the Chair of Neurology at UNC. We were joking uh, before this segment that that, is, uh, that wins the award for the shortest title on the show. So, Dr. Garden, thank you for that, and thank you for joining us today. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. This is a very historic show for us. Actually, while we were on the break, I was Googling how to join the cohort. I'm very excited to participate with you all um, in your research, but this is the first show that we have both Duke and UNC on the same episode, Rivals in some ways um, of the Blues. This is partnership is a huge win for research and for battling Alzheimer's and related dementias, and I'm really excited. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about your role, Dr. Garden, first at UNC and then also in the collaborative? 
Well, I started at UNC approximately two years ago as the new chair of the Department of Neurology. And I joined here after having spent almost 20 years at the University of Washington in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And when I was in Seattle, I was a dementia researcher and a neurologist. And when I was in the process of interviewing for my position at UNC, it was mentioned that there may be an opportunity to collaborate with Duke in a very formal way. And the idea of this uh, collaborative effort was really hatched uh, before I even arrived at UNC. Mm-hmm. It was supported by the deans of um, both institute, both schools of medicine mm-hmm. and really worked out by the deans for research. So w- when I arrived, we um, really immediately got going and started working on how we would collaborate. And one of the things that's important to know is that in the field of dementia research, we have always been very collaborative and worked across institutional rivalries, even when those rivalries extend beyond sports, (laughs) even when those rivalries also involve competing for students and staff and faculty and um, most recently competing for healthcare consumers. Mm -hmm. So even though there's a lot of competition, those of us who've been spending our careers trying to understand both the biology behind why we develop dementia and how to best care for patients with dementia, we've always worked together. Mm-hmm. So I really feel that this collaborative is an important step, and I can't say enough about the opportunity I've had to work with our colleagues at Duke, especially my um, partner in leading this effort, Heather Whitson. Heather came up with this incredibly great motto, which is that when it comes to fighting Alzheimer's disease, we're all on the same team. (laughs) And I just love this motto and think that it is very important for the future work that we're going to be doing. And it's also great to work with Heather because we come from, um, I would say, the opposite end of the spectrum in dementia research. Mm -hmm. I'm coming from a very uh, basic science, biology, working with um, pathology specimens perspective, and she comes from the perspective of working with human subjects, um, Mm -hmm. doing clinical research. And so we have these different perspectives on research, but we have a completely aligned vision on collaboration. That's awesome. You know, we talk on the show about how we're all aging. It's called Aging Matters, but every day we're aging. What part of the lifespan are you studying within the collaborative, and are you seeing seeing younger and younger patients participating? Well, my personal research has always focused on the use of pathologic samples, Mm -hmm. which in the past had meant that we were studying the disease at its latest stages after patients pass away. But recently, there are a variety of new tools and approaches that enable us to use even those specimens to try to study what's happening at earlier disease stages. And the reason that we've changed focus to try to understand these earlier stages is because really large studies have demonstrated that the biological changes of Alzheimer's disease can be detected even decades before people develop symptoms of dementia. 
So knowing this, one of the major goals of our collaborative is to recruit research participants at early points in the aging process, Mm -hmm. well before they may know that they're going to develop any symptoms of dementia. Mm -hmm. And we're particularly interested in those who have a family history of dementia or know that they have specific genetic risk factors for developing dementia eventually, even if they are still young and completely asymptomatic. There are many different aspects to research. You touched on this a little bit earlier about basic science and human studies and things of that nature. Can you talk to us about the different cores that are part of this collaborative? Yeah, we have organized um, uh, several cores for this collaborative. And these cores really are aimed at providing resources to the community that any individual investigator would not be able to develop on their own. So one core that we've established is called the biomarker core, and a a biomarker is essentially a test that you would do to tell whether someone may be developing a particular disease. And in Alzheimer's disease and dementia, we use tests like MRIs and the um, fluid that is around the spine, the spinal fluid, uh, which we save in the biomarker core, and the MRI images are saved in the biomarker core. And the core also helps investigators develop new ways of using those biomarkers or studying those biomarkers. Another core is around data management. It's all about storing the data and organizing it in a way that investigators from other institutions can get access to it, and um, it can be shared across the national database and a national um, program that uh, enables people from all over the country to use data. And then we also have a core that is focused on finding research participants. Mm -hmm. This core has experts in research recruitment and and reaching out to communities and working with community resources to try to um, find participants and enable them to join uh, a wide variety of different studies being carried out at Duke and UNC. And then there's the clinical core. um, That is the core where research participants would go and get evaluated and um, the biomarker studies that might be done would be arranged and organized Mm-hmm. And then we also have um, established a core for acquiring those pathologic specimens that I was talking about that I use in my own research. And we have established a core for um, education, and that core is very important for us to try to develop the future research workforce. That's wonderful. You know, as the co-director um, and you, with your partner, Dr. Whitson, who we asked the same question earlier, um, what are your hopes and dreams for this collaborative? Well, I think we want to serve as a resource to the dementia research community at both Duke and UNC. That's the primary goal. But I think a bigger goal is to really make a difference in the future in terms of providing better care for individuals who are at risk for developing 
dementia and those who have already developed dementia. And I, I, I want to really focus on that first group, that group of people who are at risk for de developing dementia. We have come to a point in research where we can identify people who are at high risk. And we do have interventions that we know about, many of them are lifestyle interventions, that have been shown to delay the onset of the more severe symptoms of dementia. And one of the major goals of our collaborative and many other researchers across the country working in this field is to ensure that we provide newer approaches to prevention and delay of disease and disseminate those across the healthcare world. And so we really um, are hoping that this type of collaborative will not only increase research, but will increase the ability to disseminate that research to healthcare providers. Yeah, and it's uh, it's admirable work, and we're so excited uh, what Duke and UNC are doing together in this battle against Alzheimer's. She is Dr. Gwen Garden, Chair of Neurology at UNC. Dr. Garden, thank you so much for your time today. We, we appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to do it. And thanks again to all of our guests earlier on the program, Dr. Heather Whitson, as well as Dr. Kim Johnson as well. If you missed any portion of this program and want to go back and listen to it or share it with a friend, go to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button, and there you'll find Aging Matters. You can view, the, you can listen to this episode as well as all other episodes that we have done in the past. We are out of time for today. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.